Hey guys, welcome to the Seven Figure Box Show. My name is Andrew Frezza, and in today's episode, I'm joined by Anat Perry, the founder and head facilitator at Training Camp for the Soul. And I've been going through her online version of the Training Camp for the Soul program over the last 12 weeks. It's a 90-day program. She also does a in-person immersive experience as well. And it has been one of the most effective and life-changing programs that I've ever done in my entire life. And I highly recommend it. And this conversation today will give you guys a lot of insight into what that program is, but how you can already start to improve your life today and some of the, the tools and frameworks that Anat uses to help transform people's lives. And Anat was the person that got Mike Bledsoe to quit Barbell Shrug. That was not something she encouraged him to do, but through her work with him, he realized that his next move was he had to, to quit Barbell Shrugged and move on to some of the things that he's taking on now. So this is a, a type of work that is really unrelated to CrossFit and functional fitness, but it's attracted a ton of coaches and gym owners in our industry because of people like Mike Bledsoe and because of the results that, that people like myself and other coaches have gotten through going, going through Training Camp for the Soul and working through with Anat. So the first five minutes of this interview we did through Zoom and we did it with video. So the audio was a little spotty, um, but I promise you guys if you can stick with it, it's a long interview, but there's a lot of value, especially as you get through those first five minutes, the audio cleans up a lot and it'll be well worth your time. So enjoy the episode today. If you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out to me, andrew at fittown.com. And if you want to sign up for Training Camp for the Soul, head over to trainingcampforthesoul.com. And they have an online version starting up in a few days on July 30th, if you guys want to get in on that. Um, enjoy the episode. We'll talk to you soon. I was hoping to get a little background on you and how how you really got into this work. Yeah. Uh, I feel I've always been a seeker. Uh, I've had friends coming to me for coaching advice uh, probably since I was in high school. Now, God knows if I was a fly on the wall and could go back in time. I don't know what I told them then, but it, I don't think it was as wise as I am today. Um, so there was always an interest, and I considered or I wanted to major in psychology. Uh, but a part of me told me, no, like, don't go spending eight years in school. Um, so I went the route of my father and studied business and finance. Um, which led me down this path anyway, because when I was working in financial services, we've had different people coming in to teach us about just, you know, developing ourselves. So um, came across self-development work when I was 25 and I'm 40 now. Uh, so it, it found its way to me. And I'm glad that it went that route because I've gotten to experience as opposed to sit and, and, and learn and write papers and books. So I say that I haven't read many books, but I've explored many, many modalities. Um, and I spent many of the years getting myself there. You know, people may, you know me now, people look at me now, and you may think that I was born this way, but I very much wasn't. Um, for the most part, I, I'm blessed. I 
grew up in a in a pretty functional home. I don't have any uh, major traumas or abuse. My parents are still married. You know, we always, um, you know, middle class family and stuff. So in that sense, good. But uh, there's no what I call big T trauma, mm-hmm. uh, which is the things that people consider trauma, like abuse or divorce or molestation or anything like that. But what we all have is developmental trauma. Is oh, turn my phone off here. What we all have is developmental trauma, meaning there was something that we needed to learn from mom and dad to help us develop our self-esteem, our ability to express our needs and wants, or to have healthy boundaries. And um, if they didn't have that themselves, they couldn't model that. And so there was um, a gap in development. And so we call that uh, developmental trauma. And so uh, part of my journey, the first uh, 10 years of self-development was was getting myself there, getting myself to a place of self-love, a place where I felt whole, uh, confident uh, that I knew myself. So in my 20s, I was very much lost and confused and struggled to find my path and $40,000 in debt and in codependent relationships and didn't know what self-love was and felt scared to be alone and spend any time with myself. So there was a lot to heal there. Um, so part of me knew from the get-go, like, wow, I love this world. I love this realm. I want to coach. I want to help people. And I knew that like, I can only get people as far as I've gotten. And so I should take myself on as my first client and focus on me. Nice. Yeah. Um, you touched on the, the big T and the little T trauma. Do you feel that every person has one or the other or both that they're dealing with, even if they don't realize it? Yeah, I do. A hundred percent. Just means like to what degree, you know, in, in my work, as you know, there's five areas of development that we focus on looking at self-esteem, expressing your needs and wants, limits and boundaries, connection and responsibility. Um, What's been your experience, Andrew, of that? Sometimes I think people go into it and they're like, oh yeah, I have great and boundaries with myself or others and then they're like oh that's what dysfunction looks like and they're like whoa i do have some dysfunctional behaviors so is there any yeah. ahas that you discovered that? i mean going into the to training camp for the soul we're now i think in week 12 um so going into it i knew sort of what i wanted to work on I, I, the one that jumped out to me was i noticed that i wasn't as present with my kids especially as I wanted to be and knew I could be. And I didn't want those important years to go by. Um, my kids are three and, and almost one. And I didn't want, I didn't want to wake up and then be, you know, 11 and 13 and be like, wow, I just missed out on these years. So I felt like it was really important for me to work on whatever needed to be worked on. I wasn't even really sure what that was in order to be able to do that better. And also I could see where, I had a little bit of a codependent relationship with work and uh, improving that as well. And it's, it's really opened my eyes to how many uh, little nuances there are and how many things that I needed to address in order to clear and do better in that area, right? Often the thing that we want to work on or improve when we do in, go into personal development isn't really what we need to work on. It's become, it's a symptom of, of bigger issues. So 
I think what's what's so cool about the way Training Camp for the Soul is structured is that it's it's very systematic and allows you to unravel many parts of your life um, without having to know that those things are are issues. Yeah, yeah, and, and and most people don't, and a lot of the ways that we are have become the norm and have we have become who we think we are to the point where we say we're that. Oh, I'm I'm so busy, or I, it's just how I am, or I'm sensitive, or I'm a procrastinator, I'm shy. And if I were to cut someone open that said that, I wouldn't find that part of them. So that's not who they are. It's what they learned. So the other thing I wanted to ask you about is, did you ever expect to be working with so many coaches and gym owners specifically in the, the CrossFit space or that space? And, and have you ever been a CrossFitter yourself or how did this happen? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I did not expect it to go this way. It's interesting. When I started my business five years ago, I, I, I started very surrendered, meaning um, I just trusted. And I really wanted after years, I mean, years, like I was 30, 536 when I started my business and I think I failed at everything else beforehand <laughs> every startup I was a part of everything just never clicked and so for me it was okay I'm going into this I'm not gonna worry about creating a website or marketing I'm gonna trust that if this is where the universe wants me to serve then like the people will show up and um, and it did. It's like this is this is where I'm meant to be. How it, that came to be is actually through Mike Bledsoe. So I met mm -hmm. Mike um, about eight months into starting my business, and uh, he invited me. We we hit it off. Just first conversation we ever had in person. Met through friends, and we just hit it off. Uh, like like it's been lifetimes and he invited me to speak at his mastermind he was doing a mastermind at the time with a lot of coaches and CrossFit gym owners and uh, he gave me three hours he was like don't worry about me. he's like he's like you got you got three hours with them I'm like oh well then I'm gonna give them an experience so I gave them a taste of the work and uh, I had about five or so people from that mastermind become my clients and over and some of them you know were ones that then me to their coaches so it started out that way and then a year into it or a year or a year later Mike noticed huge shift in those people in there in, that were in his mastermind mm. and he got really curious he was like, okay, I've, I've gotten a taste of your work. He's like, but I'm curious because I've done a lot of things uh, from A to Z and I feel pretty good, but I'm curious and I'm really nervous. And I said, well, anytime you want to do it, I'd love to gift it to you as a thank you for really opening up my business to the next level. So, um, yeah, so he came and did it uh, about six months later when our schedules finally aligned. And three days into the six day journey, um, he was like, this is incredible. I got, I have to help you get this out there to more people. Wow. Um, and he was at the time CEO of Barbell Shrugged, 
And what happened day three or day four was him getting clear that that's not in alignment for him and that he needs to have a conversation and step down as CEO of Barbell Shrugged. And oh, so you're to blame for all this. I am. I am. I'll take 100% ownership. I'm the blame. And, you know, the, the reason why he birthed the strong coach. So, uh, yeah, so that's how it really started. And we partnered up. And, um, you know, he apprenticed with me and he was my co-facilitator for a while until Chris showed up. So, um, so it's really been Mike that's opened me up to the fitness space, which I love working with. I am not a former CrossFitter. Um, I, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't come from that world, but I can relate a lot to, um, to the type of people that attend that, you know, the, the, the strong alpha, whether it's male or female, the, the, the one that likes to compete, like there was just a sense of home and relatedness. Like these are my people and I want to support them in finding that, that balance. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I've noticed, I asked Mike the same question on, he was on was a lot of the, coaches and gym owners that I've seen that have done either worked with Mike or worked with training camp for the soul have a lot of them have opted out of their jobs as a coach, at least in a physical gym, they might switch to a different path as it relates to coaching. But why do you think so many people um, move out of what they're doing, whether that be a coach or whether that be like Mike saying, I don't, I don't want to do barbell shrugged anymore. Yeah. So when it comes to Mike, or I've had a few clients um, that have totally stepped down, left, sold their businesses, left their industry, um, they recognize that the part of them that chose that was their ego. Mm -hmm. And for those listening and are like, okay, I know my ego, but I'm going to define it a little bit more for you. Um, you. Your ego is the ultimate protector. So if there's something that you don't want to feel, if there's something that was painful for you in your life um, that, you're, that, that you haven't allowed yourself to heal, then, um, and I, I call that your, your inner child, if you're not connected to your inner child and your emotions, then your ego is going to step in and it's going to be the ultimate protector and it's going to come up with a solution that feels good to you. And so in Mike's uh, um, case, he realized that the part of him that chose that was his ego, that it's not, it wasn't what his heart wanted. Um, and, and a lot of times that's, a, that's the case. People are, are driven by proving something, for example, like, oh, I'm going to prove to people, so I'm going to go do this, when really that little boy or that little girl is really hurt <laughs> mm -hmm. and felt that the only way is to prove X, Y, and Z. Um, and then as far as why do people switch from just being fitness coaches uh, uh, to other coaches, I believe they recognize that it's not just the physical, that there is such an emotional and uh, um, spiritual and mental component to our health. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and so it, it just, the, the relationship to it shifts. So I've had clients also that 
compete that used to compete mm-hmm. that stopped competing because they're like, oh, I am worthy. I am enough. I don't need to prove that anymore. I was again, it's the ego that likes to compete. So um, yeah, just more more happiness, more fulfillment within themselves. And how how does someone? I think a lot of people that are very driven people almost hang on to that ego because they don't they don't want to lose their drive. So they see where that's gotten them a lot of success or relationships in their lives that that they want to keep. So how do you how do you balance? How do you sort of fill the void of when you are able to successfully get past that ego still be motivated and still have that drive to achieve stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It comes from a different place. See, the ego is coming from a wounded place. It's coming from fear. It's coming from pain. It's coming from a, like, I need to fix this. I like a, a drive that is, that is uh, uh, like do or die. <laughs> as you still have that drive your heart very much has a passion has a purpose has a desire um, and it'll come more from inspiration as opposed to desperation and the desperation is not necessarily an awareness for people they're like oh no i'm fully satisfied with this you know when i met chris uh, Chris is my co-facilitator now. Yeah. You know. um, when I had my discovery call with Chris, he said he was, you know, a, an owner of two businesses, two brick and mortar businesses, a CrossFit gym and a, a healthy meal delivery business. Yeah, I actually ordered from his meal delivery company as a side note, which is kind of funny, but <laughs> <laughs> realized oh. that on our discovery call. Oh my God, what a small world. Yeah. So when I met him on from the outside looking in, like people would think like he lives the life. He's got a beautiful wife, the house, the businesses. He looks great. He's healthy. He's fit. But he wasn't happy. And he felt stuck in a lot of ways. And he got on a call with me and he said to me, Anat, I'm interested and I'm afraid of losing control. And my response was perfect. I'm not interested in you losing control. I'm interested in you gaining control. And I think what you're going to realize is that you haven't been in control. Your ego has. And his response was, here's my credit card number. (laughs) Cause he really, it really struck this. Like, what if that's true? What if the life I'm living is not in alignment with my heart. Do I really know myself and what has had me choose this life, this business, this relationship? And here he is, you know, uh, almost a year and a half later and his life is unrecognizable and more aligned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sold, Sold the businesses, sold the house, moved out of the state, left the relationship (laughs) and happier than ever. So it's a bit of a shocker, I imagine, to his family members and those that knew him that saw him as someone that had the like picture perfect um, life. 
but they can't deny how happy he is now. Yeah. So again, the difference between it coming from this desperation need survival to um, inner peace, desire, inspiration, and this is what I'm going after now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So One of the things I've been thinking about a lot with, uh, as I'm getting close to the end of my run with TCS is number one, how, how am I going to continue this? But then number two is I think a lot about the people in my life that I want to get involved in training camp for the soul. And I think about my wife and and my brother and and some of my close family members. I think about uh, some of our employees at the gym that I think would be really good fits for it. Um, and some members at the gym that I work with that, that I think would be a good fit as well. How, how should someone like me evaluate who's a good fit for it? Or, or what do you think is, is the right time for someone to do it? Obviously it's, for me, it's like anybody should do this. Anybody and everybody should do it. But then I also realize it's an investment, not just in money, but in time. And they have to be sort of ready to commit to be able to get what they need to get out of it. So what are, what are some things that someone like me should be looking for when they're want to encourage a friend or a family member to get into it. Yeah, great. First of all, you you semi answered your own question there. This is something that people have to be ready for. Um, uh, this is not something to join. This is right. This is not like a cult or a group or like a gym. Um, it's it, it's not that and it's not that it's not a community. It is but you have to be ready, just like the gym, right? You may have Mm -hmm. the nicest facility, the nicest gym, but uh, if someone's not ready to take their health seriously and their physical fitness seriously, then they're gonna waste that membership. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's part of it. Uh, What you, first of all, you just keep focusing on you. You keep sharpening yourself. You keep becoming the highest, greatest version of yourself. People are watching and they're going to notice. And so I I, I have an analogy for it. Um, Be the lighthouse, not the flashlight. So if there's two boats out at sea, one boat is a party boat. They are happy. They are partying. They're not looking to come to shore. The other boat is my boat because I do not like being at sea. I get seasick and I'm just like, where is the land? I need help, right? So those people are seeking the lighthouse. And uh, so all you need to do is be the light, be the example of it. And people, and you'll hear because they'll start asking you questions or they'll share with you what they're struggling with. And then how you meet people is you meet people where they're at and you relate to them. You say, wow, I hear you, you're struggling or, or you're, you're worried if um, you're, you're being the best parent to your kids. Um, here's what I learned at Training Camp for the Soul that made a difference for me. So it's always going to go back to you getting to a place where you're embodying it and you've integrated enough that you can share with people the impact that it's made for you. Um, yeah, just like the gym, no one's looking to know 
what your workout plan is. It's like, oh, you got to come in and do 50 burpees and 100 squats, and people are going to be like, ah, no, thank you. But yeah. when people look at before and after pictures, <laughs> um, they're like, I want what he's got. So yeah. It's, it's the same thing. And it's very common for people to experience training camp for the soul. I mean, most of my business is referrals. Most people end up here because of referrals, um, which is great. It's a real testament to um, the embodiment of my clients uh, making the real change in their life. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's that. It's really just trusting that the timing is going to come when those that are ready are ready. And those that aren't yet, well, they can just enjoy the party out at sea. <laughs> Funny you mentioned that. We just rebranded our, our gym from CrossFit Palm Beach to Fit Town two months ago, and our logo now has our Jupiter Lighthouse in it. So oh very, very appropriate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, it's going to be you, Andrew, being that lighthouse. And over time, like I said, those that are ready to follow will. And there are ones that won't. And Andrew, can you accept them? And can you be with that? I've had clients that I had a client that said to me, can, can we, her and her mom have both worked with me and she's like, I'd love to get my father and my brother to do this. So like, can we do like a family thing and, and, and see if you can get them to do it? And I go, no, <laughs> we can't. You, I was like, if they know, they're aware of what you've done and what your mom has done. Um, if they are ready, they will ask you about it. If not, you have to accept that this is who they are and they may never change. And that may hurt for you. That may cause you heartbreak. And you have to feel that. And you have to accept that. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to, to touch on part of your initial story. You talked about starting the business at 35, 36, and yeah. like, you're not going to do a website. You're not going to do marketing. What did you do? What did you focus on in those first stages and what, yeah. what clicked? Yeah. So, um, I hired business mentors, uh, before I started my business and their whole model was, speak your way to cash. That's like their tagline. So whether you're getting on pod on stages or just opening your mouth and talking to anybody. And so it was really about coming up with whatever is your elevator pitch. Like what, it, what is your 30 second thing that you're going to say to people and then go say that to people and get discovery calls booked. And when you get your first client, then create your program. So, I had a rough outline of my program, but I did not create module one until I had my first client pay me. And um, I just opened my mouth. <laughs> and, and it's not like I went out door to door to people, but again, I was trusting that I'm a vibration and that whatever I'm tuning into <laughs> is what's going to like whatever radio station I'm tuning into, whatever I'm telling myself, whatever I'm putting out, the universe is going to play that for me, is going to match that for me. And mm -hmm. that was very much the case. 
within the first three months. By the time I finished my uh, creating my program, which took about three months, I, I had 10 clients going through it. So it was either like, oh, I ran into a friend at a coffee shop who said, it's my birthday tonight. Come to my birthday. And then I meet his roommate who's like, so what do you do? And I tell him my 30 second what I do. And he's like, oh, tell me more. I'm interested. And he became a client. Like it was just a beautiful, natural unfolding. And I think people need to get that. You don't have to work hard. You don't have to have start off with a fancy website or marketing. You can just be you and open your mouth and let people know. What was your elevator pitch for either yourself or the TCS? <laughs> Back then, so my pro, my first, now it's called Training Camp for the Soul, which by the way, I've got to give credit to Mike Bledsoe because he named that. Because what it was, was journey to love. Mm -hmm. That's really what it is. <laughs> I mean, it is a journey to, to self-love, to love. Mm -hmm. But he said to me, and I, that, that's not going to sell with my audience. <laughs> And he's right. He's a marketer, though. He knows. And when I started out, um, I didn't know what my niche was going to be. I definitely didn't think it would ever, like, there's no way I could have sat on a rock and thought that it would ever be people in the CrossFit fitness space, which majority of my clients are. Um, I was focused on men and women who are failing at dating and want a relationship that lasts and deepens over time. Mm. That was my elevator pitch. I still remember it. <laughs> so that's who I was targeting. Funny enough, that's what I was still seeking for myself. So, um, but yeah, and then it was just getting into a conversation with people, them asking, tell me more, and me sharing the process of how everything that you, that you be or a lot of who you are right now is not really who you are. It's what you learned for seven years of your life. And they'd say, oh, tell me more. Right, so we'd get into a little dialogue, and and uh, yeah, that's how it started. And um, I did I did over six figures my first year. Wow! Zero marketing, no social media presence, no website. Um, I and then I don't I actually didn't have a website till two or three years in, and then really the website that people see now, if they go to training camp for the soul. That was created right when COVID started. April first is when we launched that. Mm -hmm. So, um, and now I have, you know, social media presence, and now I've built the funnel, and and funny enough, this is exactly what my business mentors said uh, five years ago. They said, "Speak your way to ten thousand dollars a month." when you're averaging $10,000 a month, then go build your team, then hire someone to do a website, then get an assistant, then do this, then do that. And funny enough, I have continued to follow their model and, um, and, and it's worked. That's awesome. I love that. Um, I know you've had a lot of, you've gained a lot of knowledge through the years. You've done a ton of personal development. One of the things you talk about in TCS is, either we're, we're trimming weeds or we're pulling weeds and that you, you, you talked about how most of your early personal development was trimming weeds versus removing those weeds and pulling out the roots. Yeah. Um, was there, what, what things have influenced you? And, and was there a tipping point to where you said, you know what, I've, I've gained enough. I've been able to transform my life enough and it's time for me to share this with others. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was. Um, uh, so the first eight years of my development, a lot of the work that I did was on a cognitive level, um, which to me in the five stages of transformation is stage one, it's awareness. So a lot of mm -hmm. people become aware of something that they don't like about themselves or they think is limiting them and then they understand it and they think that that's enough. Um, I'll, and they say, oh, I'll just stop being that way or I'm gonna do my best to like not yell um, at my, you know, in front of my kids or something, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, or they'll read a book on um, anger management. <laughs> the thing is, it's like, and I love the metaphor of the garden, because it's like, oh, identifying the weed and then trimming the weed, like you're not at the root of it, but trimming it by saying, oh, I'm gonna stop doing that. Uh, and, and what I want to do is, is uh, be, be kinder and softer when I speak and I'm going to read a book on this. And it's like going to the garden store and buying the, uh, the seeds of what you want, but you come back, there's no room for it. So, and, 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 and this is true because if it wasn't the case, there'd be more people getting shifting their lives, experiencing a new garden transformation <laughs> from mm -hmm. just having awareness to reading that book or, or making that statement like, oh, I'm done being that way. I'm going to be this way instead. If only it was that easy. <laughs> but unfortunately, things are subconsciously programmed in us, repetitively programmed. Um, and our subconscious mind is what operates 90% of the time. So consciously, you may choose something else, but you have a 10% chance that it's going to go that way because the programming is the programming. You guys, we all have a way that we, we brush our teeth. <laughs> and if you said, oh, I'm going to brush with the other hand now, or I'm going to do it differently, it's, it takes... It takes focus and repetition and time. That's part of it. The other part of it is a lot of our big uh, limiting beliefs are rooted in our body, in our energetic body, in our emotional body. That's why we get quote unquote triggered, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Suddenly your partner says something to you and it triggers this part in you like, I'm not going to be controlled and you're yelling at your partner, like stop telling me what to do. It's like, and you feel fiery or you feel that trigger in your system. Yeah, exactly. It's not just in your mind. It's in your body. It's in your emotional body, right? Your emotions are energy and motion. And so it's important to take those steps of getting to the root of it. And the root of the weed is rooted in our body, in our energetic body, in our emotional body. Now, Andrew, you're, you know, 12 out of 13 weeks um, <laughs> through this program. What do you see is true around that? Or what's been your experience of, of this? My, yeah, my experience is that there's a lot of patterns that, that I have in my body, had in my body. Um, 
where for me, my pattern was to be very rigid with stuff. So my pattern was to kind of push feelings down and not experience them. Um, what I believe to be more of a stoic mindset. Um, and what I thought was a healthy pattern of not getting angry, not getting, you know, emotional or, um, sort of keeping this even keel, I didn't realize was just me actually not, not being willing to connect to myself and experience these feelings fully. And a lot of the exercises that we've done on calls or separately on my own through breath work has just brought, I mean, a 10 X or more connection to my body and what's actually going on. And I've, I've noticed a much more wide range of feelings, especially in terms of like crying would be the big one where I felt that emotion of not just crying from sadness, but crying from happiness mm -hmm. that had been kind of blunted for years, uh, maybe decades. And um, it's been it's been really cool to feel more of those feelings and not not try to label feelings as as good or bad either, but to just let them process through my body. Yeah, a hundred percent. So many people. It's just what it's just what we learned as a society, or a lot of times what our parents taught us, like be strong, don't cry, or questioning why are you crying, why do you feel that way. And uh, you have a one-year-old. If yeah. your one-year-old went a whole day, okay, during mm -hmm. the waking hours <laughs> of not laughing or crying, would you be concerned? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it yeah. doesn't go a day that your one-year-old does not laugh or cry. It's, it's, it's a natural expression of being human, yet we become adults and we stuff that down and we say, why am I crying? Do we ever question why am I laughing or why am I happy? And so it's that label that has um, kept people from feeling safe to be human and be in the human experience of all of our emotions, sensations, and the freedom that comes with it it's been so helpful for me as a parent. It's, it's cool how talking to my kids, doing the work has helped me improve talking to my kids, which has in turn helped me improve talking to myself. And then that feeds back to talking to my kids again, um, where I'm not trying to solve their problems, but more trying to understand, be empathetic, be curious about their problems. And one of the small, small ones that came up recently was we were trying to get my son to sleep in his own bed. He's been sleeping with us for, for a while now. Um, he's about three and a half and he kept talking about being scared or, or actually we had to kind of dig that out of him. He just was like, no, I don't want to sleep in my bed. And, and I had to ask him finally, I was like, oh, are you, are you scared of something? Are you scared to sleep in my bed? And my, my natural inclination when he said yes was, to say something like, well, there's nothing to be scared of. That, that was my, my, my natural inclination. But I paused and I said, yeah, that, that makes sense. Like daddy gets scared too. And I, I know what that feels like. I, I know what it, it feels like to be scared and, and let's, go, let's go to your room and let's go see if there's anything to be scared of. And trying to explore that with him as opposed to 
more of putting an end to what he's actually feeling and is true to him. I'm not denying that. I'm, I'm trying to seek and understand that. Oh, amazing. I just got goosebumps. Yeah, so easy. And how's it going? Oh, it's been great. He's been sleeping in his own bed. We did have to go a step further, which was to give him a prize in the morning. But that certainly the, the communication around it was very helpful. And now, now at night, so for a while at night, he was, he'd need me to like stay with him until he falls asleep. And now he's like, all right, you can go. It's time for you to leave when I'm like reading to him at night. So it's, it's cool. (laughs) And I think it's great that you're rewarding him. You're rewarding him for facing his fear, for Mm -hmm. being courageous. So I think that's great learning as well. Yeah. And I, and then when it comes back to me, then I realize how often I don't, I haven't in the past, I'm getting better, brought that same level of curiosity, understanding. It's very quick when we make a mistake or, you know, do something that, that others will tell us is wrong, that we start to beat ourselves up instead of coming with that same level of empathy and understanding to ourselves. I think I see, we have a lot of parents in our gym and I think they're, they're much more empathetic to their kids and they're not as empathetic to themselves. Yeah, if we pay attention, it's good that at least they're empathetic towards their kids. But here's, here's the challenge. Your kids are learning from you by what they see, what they hear, and what they feel energetically from you. So you, you or, or um, and I can distinguish the difference between what mom and dad role model, but um, you may treat them empathetically but if they see you being hard on yourself, they may learn that that's the way to be. And so they're, they're our greatest reminder and teacher of how to be. Uh, we, we need to give our kids more credit. <laughs> Actually, they're our teachers, but unfortunately they don't realize it at that age of how much they came into this world already knowing and pure love. Uh, and they look at us as if we're here to model it for them. And uh, that's where the journey of, of being a human begins, of the, the forgetting and then the need to remember. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we talk about the mom and dad thing a little bit of what yeah. that represents? Because, I mean, the as I've experienced it in the course, we've spent the first you know, six, seven weeks on mom and we spent the the second half of this on dad. And, you know, I want to point out that I have great parents, like I have really incredible parents, but that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean that I don't have stuff to work on as it relates to what we call mom and dad. Yeah, totally. So let me take you all back to the moment you were born and your mom held you and she said, son, daughter, I'm your mommy. And you heard, wah, 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 right? You didn't know what she was saying. And you could barely make out what you were seeing, let alone knowing that you were looking at your mom. But what you did know is the energy that you felt, felt familiar. It felt like the same energy you just spent nine months in. And so in that moment, you realized this is me mom is me i am mom 
<laughs> mom is an extension of me, which at one point till they cut the cord, you were. And so in that moment, mom becomes the role model for the self. A child for the first years, like at least four or five years, doesn't realize that mom is separate and looks at mom as me, as the self. And so when you are, if you are challenged with anything related to yourself, from self-care to how you talk to yourself to how you spend your time, like anything related to dot, dot, dot self, look at what did mom model to you? Because either you copied, you learned to be just like mom. So for example, if mom was always busy, 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 <coughs> excuse me, running around, taking care of the house and the kids and everything, and you never saw her sit down or take a moment to herself, you might have learned, always keep busy. Put others first. Your needs don't matter. And so you might have copied and learned to be that same way. Or you rebelled. You did the opposite. And a lot of times when the opposite, the rebellious shows up, is when however mom or dad were being <clears throat> uh, felt unsafe to you, felt scary to you. And so unconsciously you decide in that moment a way you come up with a way to survive when do people need to survive when they are in danger <laughs> when they feel like there's something to survive because they're not safe so then you come up with a survival strategy of i'm you know if if dad was weak if dad was was submissive and mom was yelling at him all the time and it didn't feel safe between mom and dad because you thought maybe they'd get divorced or it just felt scary to experience it that way, you might have decided, I need to be strong. I can't let people ever talk to me like that or put me down. So I'm going to be strong, right? Which is the opposite of what mom and dad or what dad was. <clears throat> mm -hmm. So... Um, so that's mom. Mom is related everything to self. Mom represents your foundation, uh, getting your needs met. She's the one that nurtured you, right? I imagine your one-year-old needs your mom a lot more than dad currently. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he just realized yeah. I'm there, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because mom is the foundation. She's my life force. She's my extension. She feeds me. She nurtures me. And uh, so now if mom was out working and you were raised by, by the babysitter or by nanny, um, then there's, there's a gap in learning. Mom is your model of the self. There could be grandma around and other people around, but they don't model and represent that. And so it could feel like um, abandonment. You can learn to not be there for yourself. You can feel this lack of getting your needs met and nurturing met. So there's many ways that it shows up that, you know, and some people, they didn't have a choice. Mom had to work. <laughs> yeah. uh, so this is where it's like, look, 
some of you listening are like, I had great parents. Yeah, me too. And there's still stuff that it affects what a child truly needs to develop appropriately. Now let's get to father. Well, actually, one thing I wanted to hit on before you do that yeah. is we talk about the people that have great parents, but then the flip side of this is if you don't have great parents, the goal is not to create an amazing relationship with your mom that you never had, but it's to learn to mother yourself to where you don't need to go outside yourself to create that love. A hundred percent. And it may improve your relationship with your mom because you will learn what it takes and you'll understand that most likely your mom and dad are the way they are because of what they learned. And so it'll create compassion if there was resentment there before or anger. Um, so it may improve your, your, your actual relationship, but that is not the goal. You're absolutely mm -hmm. right. The goal is to unlearn what you learned and then get the learning that you always needed. And to, so to reparent yourself, to learn how to mother yourself, how to give yourself what you would, what you needed, um, from mom. So, yeah. Cool. All right. Let's talk about dad. So Andrew, you're a dad. So mm -hmm. you, your son was born, you walked into the labor room, you picked him up for the first time. I imagine in that moment you were flying high. Like you're, oh, yeah. yeah, you're like on ecstasy, right? Mm -hmm. And so you pick him up and he's like, oh, this energy feels different. I don't never felt this before. And it's not that mom doesn't feel loving. It's that mom's energy has been loving, has, has been very familiar, has been what it's been for mm -hmm. nine months. So you pick him up and he feels love for the first time from something, the vibration of love, right? That high energy, that beautiful vibration. And, and all of you listening know what that feels like. Remember the second you fell in love? <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> um so he feels love from something outside of him see mom's not outside of him mom is him he experiences something that's not him he's experiencing the world so father is everything that's not him father is others father is the world Father represents love. It's for all of you, whether it's men or women listening right now, your dad is the love of your life. He was your first experience of love in your life. And a lot of us can see where we had dad on a pedestal, at least the second that he came out. We were always craving and wanting more of that feeling of love. And either he fulfilled it or he broke your heart because he didn't live up to it. And so when, when we work on father, it's, it represents the heart as far as the part of the body, the mom's the womb, the, the father's the heart. And it could be more emotional and heartbreaking for people. I know it was for me. I had a father that did what society tells you fathers need to do, provide. A lot of fathers think their job is to support and provide. So they go out and they work 
My dad worked 16 hours a day running a hotel so that my mom could stay at home with my brother and I. He thought he was doing exactly what he needs to do. <laughs> but he worked 16 hours a day. I barely saw my father, which means I barely had access to love. Love was not there for me. Others will put something else before you. You're invisible to the world. Those were some of the beliefs that were deeply wounding in me. Mm -hmm from having my dad be out there doing what society tells men to do fathers to do provide and the truth is your role is a lot more than that you represent love and relations with others so your boys are looking at you for what's possible in love they're looking at you and how you engage with your wife for what's possible in relationships they're looking at you as uh, vulnerability, what's possible in experiencing something outside of me opening up to me. So they're learning vulnerability from you. They're learning courage. They're learning purpose from you. They don't need you to be successful. They need to see that you, you're, 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 you're driven. There's something that you're passionate about. There's purpose in your life. That you could go after what you want and you may succeed or you may not. But I mean, look, my dad loves, you know, loves what he does. He's still a workaholic. I love him. But that was partly the good learning is that we learned to, all my, all my siblings and I, to do what we love, right? But there's a lot that we didn't get because dad was always working. And so, one, there, yeah. I was going to say one of the words that you keep coming back to is, is learn and I know there's there's a saying that you you keep coming back to throughout the course, which is, it's not who I am, it's what I learned. And if I can learn it, then I can unlearn it. Yeah. I mean, look at the gym. How many new clients come into the gym? They're trying out fitness for the first time. They heard CrossFit was the place to be. And they're doing the squat wrong. Right? Or they're doing something Yeah. Wrong. Oh, yeah. And they think they're doing it right. <laughs> and you're like, uh, let's correct that. And it takes time, but they do. And once they do, they don't remember what it was like to do it the wrong way. They've reprogrammed themselves. So same thing, 100%. Yeah, so two questions on that, because I love the fitness example. I think a lot of people connect with this is – Number one, how long does it take to see results, like true, meaningful results? Like I, I would say that I've seen really good results through the first 12 weeks, but I, I still feel like there's a lot more because I, I know from a fitness side how long it takes to get that real, where it's just ingrained in who you are kind of a feeling. And then second question is, is what are your favorite practices to help um, like, what is the equivalent of me going into the gym every day as it relates to this type of training? Mm, awesome. Great questions. Okay, so we'll start with the first one. Um, yeah, so people can start to see results right away. Uh, um, because the full process of transformation, and you know this from, from, from the work, is identify the weed, get to the root of it, 
replace it. So if, so identify what the limiting belief is, get to the root of where you learned it, whether it was copied or it was a way to survive, um, tend to that through the, the tools that we have, replace it with a new, like what's possible now. So if it's, uh, you know, I, I, I don't trust others, people aren't safe to, I am supported. And then that's like the new seed that you plant in the garden. But what's going to water that seed to make sure that it grows is taking an action that is in alignment with it. So what another thing that I see um, is challenged for people that do self-development work um, or is challenging is that they they're like, well, I've done years of work. Oh, I've had awareness of this, but it's still here for me. Why is that? Because people are clearing out weeds, but they're not replacing with something new and they're not changing their behaviors. You can change a belief, but if you're not then looking at your life and saying what behaviors or what choices came from those old beliefs that I have to stop, like for Mike Bledsoe, it was, I have to step down as CEO of this company. That is not in alignment anymore with my new beliefs. He took that action within three weeks. Life started to change quickly. So it just depends on how quickly are you going to take the new learning, the new beliefs, the new declarations that you have and change your behaviors to match it. Whether it's stop a behavior like, oh, I you know, need to leave this company or leave this relationship um, uh, or stop eating all this junk food because I know that like, I'm, I am healthy and vibrant is the new belief, right? If, if the new belief is I am healthy and vibrant, then you can't you know, be eating pizza every night. Um, even the gluten-free pizza. We can't be it. Uh, right? What? So, you just burst my bubble. <laughs> not every night. Once a week. Um, so you have to look at, well, where am I behaving or what new behaviors do I need to take, put in place? What new actions? So the more people take massive action in alignment with their new beliefs, the quicker they're going to see change. And that's why you have seen change during the program and people do have radical change during the program. That being said, you're looking at about an 18 month journey. Mm. And that's what my mentor who passed away, but was facilitating uh, deep work like this, uh, for 40 years said to me, he, and, and you want to think of it like a garden. If you clear out a garden, plant new seeds, first season, you're hoping those tomatoes grow and those cucumbers grow well and that they stick, but you don't know, they may not because the roots aren't deep yet, right? Mm -hmm. A storm can come by and just crush it all away. Um, but a year later, definitely more solid. And so let me translate that to like the stages of learning. The first time you learn to drive a car, you really had to pay attention to everything. Mm -hmm. Gas, right? Brake. Oh, let me turn the light on. Oh, turn the wheel this way. We really had to focus. Whereas how do we drive now? Oh, well, like having a beverage, talking on the phone, <laughs> listening to this podcast right now, listening someone's to this driving podcast, 
and um, it's become second nature. And so the process, the stages of learning are from unconscious incompetence. The, you don't know what you don't know to yeah. conscious incompetence. Oh, I now know what it is that I didn't know <laughs> to conscious competent. So for me to learn how to do the squat properly, I have to focus on the steps that Andrew just told me <laughs> to the last step being unconscious competent. It's second nature. I just do it. <laughs> and so that takes reps, right? Oh, yeah. It takes repetition. It takes time. Uh, so it's the same thing, but what I've seen it with my clients is it's about 18 months till it's like fully all solid. And to answer your second question, what are the practices for that similar to like going to the gym? Mm -hmm. Well, just like a garden, it needs tending to every day. You leave it for a week and you're going to see weeds and it's going to need water and it's not going to be flourishing. So you got to take time every day to tend to your garden. And, you know, in training camp for the soul, that's, that's a toolbox kit that you have of taking time every day. Um, for those of you listening that haven't done the program yet, taking time every day to be with yourself and not just sit and meditate, although that could be one of the tools and is one of the tools. Um, and breath work is a tool, uh, but also journaling. So uh, there's, there's a lot of noise in that monkey mind a lot. And if you are trying to listen to it in your head, then most likely you're only hearing the loudest voice, which is usually your inner critic or your ego, neither one of which do you want to follow. And so getting in the practice of journaling, of getting all your thoughts and concerns and fears, everything that's coming up for you, taking that journal dump, just like you wake up in the morning and you take a dump <laughs> every day, take out a piece of paper and, and it's not, what do I want to write about? It's what am I hearing in my head right now? Let me get it out of my head and onto paper, no filter. And starting to then observe and see, well, what do I, what am I writing here? What do I feel? Anywhere that you wrote, I am dot, dot, dot. I feel dot, dot, dot. I feel like dot, dot, dot. Those are, that's your inner child speaking. Those are all areas that, that need love, acceptance, curiosity. Just like if your child came to you in the morning and said, I'm, I'm sad, I'm scared, right? I feel like I don't have energy today or whatever the, uh, I, I feel like he doesn't want to play with me or whatever. Same thing. What would you do if your child came to you in the morning and said, I have a stomach ache or I don't feel well. I'm sad. What would you do, Andrew? I would care for them. I would give them a hug. I would ask them, there's anything I could do and I would care for them. Yeah, and you would listen, right? You'd listen, get curious, care. Same thing. Tending to your garden is tending to an inner child. We're adults, but 
once you have the tools to reparent yourself, you know how to be the best, how to show up for yourself. You have the right mom learning and how to show up in the world with others. That's the father learning. Then you need to parent your child every day. And the more you show up parenting that child, that child develops. You asked me a question earlier that I realized I didn't get to and I just remembered that of when did I know that it was time that I was ready to like start my, mm -hmm. my, my business. Um, what led to that after years of trimming weeds, it was meeting my mentor who was a body mind psychologist who, who was trained in the Hoffman process. Um, and uh, finally doing the deep work after eight years of trimming weeds, after eight years of having so much awareness, but you looked at my life and my life didn't look any fucking different. I was still picking the wrong guys. I was still uh, in codependent relationships. I was still struggling financially. I still couldn't be by myself. I'd get anxiety anytime I spent time alone. So I was like, okay, I know all this stuff, but I'm still stuck here. And when I met him and did the deep work, getting to the root, and here's the thing, guys, if you think that you're transforming, ask yourself this, does it feel like a walk in the park on a sunny blue sky day? Because if that's been your journey of transformation of just a lot of ahas, ahas, ahas from books you read or podcasts you listen to, you are just scratching the surface. You are just at awareness because true transformation is a walk through a burning forest with some dragons to slay. It is not comfortable. It is painful. It means you got to feel shit. You got to cry. You got to scream. You got to tend to all those things that you never tended to before. And so I did that work. And when I did, my life started to shift. I started to feel the confidence I always wanted. I left my job. I I gave myself permission at 35 for the first time in my adult years to just play because I learned you always have to work. And I went mm. off to Maui for, and to Hawaii for, for five months and played and wrote and hiked and just lived life. Because that's what my little girl wanted to do. And as I gave her what she wanted, she grew up. And then she was ready. It's like your three-year-old is not ready to go to work <laughs> or to start a business. <laughs> He's still in play mode. That's why it's so important for kids um, in these early years to play as opposed to, to be put in a, a nursery, in, in a school that is so much like sit down learning. No, they, they need to get that play. So for me, um, that was a big part of my own integration was that was something I never, I, 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 I never gave myself permission to have as something that I could always have, not just as a kid, but those of you that think you always have to work and now you're stuck because you don't know what you want to do next, what you want to create next, what your real purpose is. When clients come to me and they're like, what's my purpose? How do I find my purpose? My answer is stop doing, stop thinking and go play. And in giving yourself permission to play, you're going to access that flow state. 
and the ideas are going to come. And so I did that for five months and then I was ready. I was ready. I was just, I, I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to step into serving others. And now I still take time to play. I'm heading to Bend, Oregon in two hours to play for a week. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and every time I play, uh, my business grows. <laughs> so it's going to be a good week. <laughs> nice. Well, have fun on that trip. Um, we'll, we'll wrap up here in a couple of minutes. One of the things I want to add is the one of the revelations I've had through Training Camp for the Soul is around affirmations. Yeah. I've done a, a ton of like personal development stuff and affirmations never made sense to me. It always seemed very forced. And I finally understand their place because I was trying to put, I was trying to plant affirmations on top of weeds in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. And then I was often also focused so much on the words of the affirmations as opposed to the feelings those affirmations created. So it was kind of like a two-part process of first clearing out what was there, pulling some of those weeds and having something somewhere to plant. And then once I planted now cultivating those feelings and I, I still have a ways to go with that, but I understand now the context of those um, and TCS has been huge in, in giving me that understanding. I love that. I love what you said and here's, and, and you nailed it on the head before you were trying to plant seeds where, where you only trimmed the weed. And that's why you didn't feel it. Again, the feeling is below the root. It's the level of sensation. And so you got to feel the uck. You got to feel the weed to clear it out. You want to heal it? You got to feel it. Another, uh, another saying of mine is you want to feel better, get better at feeling. And so as you feel that stuff and you clear out the old, there's room to plant that affirmation in and not only plant it in and say it, but there's room to feel it because it's, it's, it's in your energetic body. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy that it's shifted for you. It's a very powerful tool. So going back to the tools to use that, that's one. Um, yeah. Every day we're running a script. You are the writer, director, producer, and actor of the movie called Your Life. You are always playing out the script. Every day you're playing roles that you want and roles that you, that you don't, but you need them, think you need them to survive. And you also cast people to play roles out in your movie. And so we're, most people are not aware of what they're saying all day long. And so if you intentionally give yourself a script that this is what you say all day long, one of my longtime sayings is my life flows with ease and grace. I've said that probably over, you know, I don't know, half a million times in the past few years. But if every day you just had 10 things, it just takes a minute to ramble up, you know, the universe supports me. I love myself. Others listen to me. I trust I'm safe. My life flows with ease and grace. I am a success. I'm beautiful. I'm smart. I'm worthy of love. I am love. And if you started your day every day saying that, <laughs> how do you think your day would go? Feels good to hear those. Those feel great. Yeah. Yeah. So for people to each come up with 
I mean, just like a child, you know, it's so good to relate it, especially parents listening. What do you say to your kids every day? What would you want to say to them every day? If it was their first day of school, what do you say to them? Have a great day. You're smart. You're the best, right? Or if they're out on the field about to play baseball, you're, you're, you're affirming to them, <laughs> Right? which is making a difference for them. But at some point, we forgot that we can edit the script. And so we're saying to ourselves what we learned, what we heard mom say to us, or what we felt from mom. And so it's important for people to uncover the script. That's training camp for the soul. We're gonna uncover your full script and we're gonna give you the, the opportunity to become the editor and therefore to create the life that you want to live. I love it. So I imagine a lot of people that listen to this will feel ready. Um, and, and before I go to my next question, where, where would they go if they're, if they're ready to, uh, to, to learn more? They're like that close to, to wanting to sign up basically. Yeah, yeah. trainingcampforthesoul.com. I have a, a free guide on there, a freedom guide, which is a really easy uh, gratitude practice because we all need to be grateful for what we do have. Um, but yeah, and all the latest information will be on there as far as what, um, depending on when people listen to this, what's available. And if they want to follow me, it's on Instagram is the best place. So uh, Anat Perry. Um, as well as there's also training camp for the soul. So if you just want to get some, some good content for now. Okay. And what about a person who's interested, but, but doesn't feel ready yet? Is there, do you have advice for them or maybe a resource for them that, that might help facilitate or, or help them understand if they are ready for it or help get them ready if, if they feel like it's, it's not the right time, but I, I want to do it in the future. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I would definitely say start with our freedom guide. Um, and then uh, you'll get notified when we do offer, um, we, we do uh, free master classes or free support calls where you get Chris and I co-facilitating and giving you a taste of the work. And um, so we, we currently have those going, but we don't, run them all the time so it just depends on when someone's listening to this but okay we we will post this pretty soon here and uh oh. is there one coming up today's july 21st i can get this out within the next day or two do you have anything upcoming uh, in the next yeah. week or two yeah we have our our master class that we're doing next tuesday at three o'clock at three o'clock three o'clock pacific time yeah right. which is really gonna give people an understanding a taste of the work and an opportunity to jump into the next 90 day virtual, which kicks off uh, uh, July 30th. Oh, wow. Okay, great. Yeah. And, and how would they get on that, the Tuesday call or also uh, on the website? Uh, it'll be trainingcampforthesoul.com slash masterclass. Great. Well, that's all I have for you. Did you have anything else to add? Uh, no, it's been awesome to talk to you and it's been uh, a true gift to witness you go through the work and, uh, and transform your life.
Yeah. Thank you so much, Matt, for the time today and everything leading up to this. I appreciate it so much. Yeah. Thanks, Andrew.